So hang on, there's a non-zero chance, and there's also a possibility you might not. Oh, yeah. It's almost as if it's just pure guesswork at this point. There, there is a chance, but it's not like a good chance. There's just a chance. What a waste of language. His name is Craven. He likes white ravens. And he will always use them to reduce your gold. His name is Dave. He cancels saves. He likes to make the opposition have bad days. His name is Tom. He plays for fun. And if you beat him, then he'll punch you in the face. It's the UK's fantastic podcast. This episode's the worst, so it's probably the last. With unopposed to claim banter, it's banter behind the throne. Hello and welcome to Banter Behind the Throne. This is episode 81. I'm your host for today, Dave Bamford, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mr. Thomas Peel. Say hello, Peel. Hello. And Mr. Tony Makos. Say hello, Tony. Hello. Lovely. How is everybody today? Healthy. Good. I did manage to sleep, actually. Um, Monday night, I managed to get about 13 hours sleep, and I've started feeling a lot better. Congratulations on that, Pierre. I was worried I was going to get catch a wedge. Um, <laughs> my throat, well, no, seriously, on the Sunday and the Monday, my throat was tingly. I was like, oh, no. Yeah on, the, yeah, on the subject of health, it is worth pointing out that it's a distinct possibility that at time of listening, maybe even time of recording, uh, Wedge is dead. Who knows? He could, he could have passed away. Um, well, he had a good life and uh, slowly but surely faded away. It's a shame. Good lad. So today we have got a number of topics to talk to you about and to talk with each other about. We are going to discuss the announcements of the last two days. That is Lewis Bretis's champion card and the Shadows mechanic is taking a, is taking a return. Making a return. Uh, we're going to discuss the 2v2 that Vince and I went to a last week. And we're going to discuss the weekender in which Tony and I placed reasonably well. And we're going to talk about the upcoming spoilers that we have been given by FFG from the Martel box. Sadly, we have not got any Pack 5 spoilers because a nasty Frenchman has spoiled them before we got a chance to receive them from FFG. So we send our apologies. FFG send their apologies. And you are a nasty, nasty Frenchman. Ooh. You are taking clickbait away from us. We enjoy <laughs> that clickbait. That is how we, we only get listeners on, on Spoiler Day. Yeah. <laughs> You're taking an entire day away from us. Which we have to thank Evan Johnson for. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you, Evan Johnson, for sending us lovely Martel spoilers instead. Okay. <clears throat> so the first thing, the first topic of the day is that it is Shadows Day. Shadows Day! Is everybody pleased about the return of Shadows? Well, kind of. Kind of. I'm not only excited, I'm also scared. Um, <laughs> in all honesty, it's, it's scary, because I remember it. It wasn't that. Are you getting flashbacks of Mira Reed? It was so powerful when it was first kind of about, and then it just kind of drifted out a little bit, except when you came up against Lannister. And, um, of course, yes, Mira Reed. Whoever could forget that lovely bitch. <laughs> She was a lovely bitch. <laughs> she really was. What she was so lovely if you were if you were playing Star. What a Such lovely a... bitch. Yeah. yeah. Or if you were playing Lannister City of Shadows. Yeah, no, don't. Yeah. No. Yeah. These days are not kind. The last time I saw the last time I saw that being played was at Stockton about two or three years ago, and it was the reason I didn't get home till two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it was the reason I got home very late as well because. Uh, 
I was in the semi-final against Costas. Yeah. yeah. It was painful. And I saw two power icons in the entire game. I made one power challenge, and that was with a Tommen that I had stolen from mm. uh, Costas. But I still took him, like, ten plots. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> final went to, I think, ten or eleven plots with him and Evan. It was uh, it was brutal, to the extent that no one really cared what was going on. Mm. You know, <laughs> gets a little bit of a kind of, you know, a couple of people standing around, but a spectating. Nobody gave a shit at that point. <laughs> it really didn't. It was Klansmen against Lanny's City of Shadows. And God, had we had enough. Oh. But but having said that, congratulations, Costas, for winning that regional three years ago. <laughs> hard fought, hard fought. Okay. Um, so, Peel, as a... Uh, as you haven't read the Shadows article, as far as I'm aware, they have altered the way Shadows works very slightly. So, for those who aren't aware, Shadows in 1st edition, you would pay two gold to place a card in Shadows face down, and at the beginning of a phase, each player may, in player order, bring one card out of Shadows by paying the remainder of its gold cost. So a card that, for instance, was S1 would cost two to put in to Shadows and one to bring out of Shadows. You could not marshal them from your hand, but they could be brought into play through other card effects. For example, if Ariane had existed, she would be able to bring a character of S3 or lower into play with her ability. You wouldn't be able to trigger any Shadows effects off that, but you'd still get the character. Mm-hmm. They have now changed it so that um, Shadows still cost two to put them into Shadows, but many of the cards can be marshaled straight into play, as they actually have a proper gold uh, gold value at the top. So, for instance, uh, Gareth Drinkwater has been spoilt. He costs six. Uh, or you can marshal him into Shadows for two and then bring him out of Shadows for five. So you get to choose whether to choose bring him out for six or seven overall. Um, and obviously he has abilities for coming out of Shadows. Uh, but also, you don't bring them out at the beginning of the phase anymore. They are now an action. And that's an action that you can bring out at, during any phase. So if you've got the gold in the plot phase, you can bring cards out of Shadows... Straight after you reveal a plot, unlike ambush characters, or you can do them in standing just before taxation or whatever. So, uh, yeah, what do, what do you reckon to that, guys? Crazy, isn't it? It's kind of blown my mind. It's blown my mind. It's going to be a little bit harsh. I think uh, they're bringing back a lot of uh, very bad memories. Should I say? <laughs> it's blowing my mind a little bit. The whole kind of being able to bring something out of shadows just in any action window. Yeah, I think that's the thing that's. Uh, breaking my tiny little first edition here at the moment because uh, the gold cost and stuff, yeah, you know, fair enough. It's still you still have to put things in shadows and marshalling. You can also set them up in the same way that you could first edition, you know, for two gold of your eight gold set up. You can put a card in shadows, you can put four cards in shadows if you want to you know, if you've got them in hand or whatever. Mm. Um, and the whole kind of differential between uh, the the fact that it costs a little bit more gold overall to put something into shadows and then bring it out, you know, as we said, drink water costs seven, but you can pay for them for six or whatever if if, if you still desire. But the idea of basically being able to fill a sh- fill your shadows area as it is with a whole bunch of cards and effectively bring them all out in challenges if you want, if you've got the gold, is is kind of crazy. Um, but it's kind of difficult to difficult to tell them. They've only spawned three cards, three quite powerful cards as well. Hmm. Uh, bringing back uh, an old mechanic, well, an old theme from first edition, which was fucking with your plot deck. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Only two of them fuck with your plot deck. 
Well, yeah, but the quite, other one fucks with shadows quite significantly. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about the Martell one. That's quite that's quite nice. Quite like that. Uh, so so yeah, that's I think that's the thing. Until they spawn more cards, it's difficult to kind of get a real grip on uh, what's happening. I, I'm, I'm sure they've been very specific about which ones they wanted to spoil up front. Um, they've spoiled some quite powerful ones, so everyone's going a little bit batshit crazy about all the things that they can do. But there'll be shit cards, you know. There'll be shit shadows cards in the same way that there's shit normal cards. There'll be, I mean, much like the the first cycle of the bestow mechanic didn't have very many good bestow cards and it wasn't really to the second cycle they started kicking in then you know just to introduce the mechanic maybe that's the way they'll work at this you know uh, this this particular cycle maybe they'll slowly introduce it and then the big the, you know the big beefy shadows cards might come later who knows I, I absolutely no idea but i'm glad it's coming back i'm a bit worried about things like well, let's just say anything that gets power off characters coming into play. <coughs> nice, Tyrell. <laughs> <laughs> a little, little bit worrying, but let's hope they've got a cap on that. You know, it's kind of up in the air at the moment. It's a del- kind of a delight to see it back because it's uh, it has an effect of kind of changing your gameplay. You've got another out of play area. You've got cards you can protect from injury challenges. There's going to be cards that screw up your things in shadows i'm sure you know they'll balance it all out but for me it's less the shadows thing that's scary at the moment it's those plot rotation effects that they've decided to bring in at the same time that are uh, a little bit scarier than the actual mechanic itself but again we shall see well i for one am very excited i love some shadows oh who doesn't it's grand there was some uh, second edition players have criticised first edition players who have been very excited about the prospect of Shadows coming back for obviously a few years, yeah. saying, "Oh, it's basically just ambush," um, which yeah. is kind of weird that it now can be triggered in any action window because it makes it more like ambush when it's in the challenge phase. Correct. Yeah. So I've, I, that seems like a weird design decision for me because obviously the fact that like, oh, you can leave it there for turns and turns and turns and turns and turns, yeah. and then you but you have to bring it out at the beginning of the phase. So it just seems like that's a weird change when they already had ambush, but overall it's a much more fun and interesting mechanic than ambush than ambush is, in my opinion. So I'm I'm very pleased to have it back, and we'll all be uh, using our reins to flip into riddle to hit that trade routes now. Oh God! Oh, I'll have like 15 <laughs> yeah. gold, please. Let's bring some cards out of shadows. Yeah. <laughs> I guess anything that gets you gold out of uh, out of the marshalling phase is now kind of is now quite a thing. So. You know, Lanny's now Lanny's got a fairly big thing about getting gold in the marshalling phase, in the challenging phase for ambush. So this can all now be used for shadows, presumably. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I did I did wonder that shadows was coming back. How much it would help? Uh, one of the things it was quite good at helping with in first edition was winning dominance, it, because it was the first thing that happened in the phase. You could bring a if if an entire board was knelt, for example, you could bring a character out in shadows. And win dominance, simple because you had one character standing and dominance didn't get calculated until after the shadows phase. So I did wonder that if it was going to come back, how much it would help a how you know a faction like Baratheon or whatever just to kind of double down on uh, making sure they win dom. But now it's uh, it's an entirely different thing. It does certainly wouldn't help with that. Can help in a lot of other ways. So no pre-plot shadows actions. That is sad. So you can only pull them out in those. Uh lovely lovely action windows yeah any fits but an action window so, yeah. so everyone's mirror read pretty yeah. much yeah 
Yeah, that's right. Which does mean that when Mira comes back, she'll still be old Mira Reed and not revised eroded Mira Reed. <laughs> we were discussing this in a car back from Stockton on, on Sunday about <laughs> Mira Reed. Why how we got into talking about Mira Reed? I, I don't know. I think everyone spat out the window when her name was mentioned. You know that? Fucking <laughs> Mira Reed. Uh, but yeah, we were talking about how that would be adapted for for second ed. And no, it doesn't need to be. Bring her back in all her broken bullshit glory. Yeah. Hooray. There's no winter, I guess, but I guess you can still have a winter plot card revealed. Yeah, more winter plots than summer plots. That tie in yeah, more people plot. run winter plots than summer plots generally as well. No, they don't. Not at all. Yes, they do. Everyone no, loves they absolutely plot. don't, Bill. <laughs> I only came up against winter plots. It was horrible. You were running trade routes, for one thing. That's a summer plot. True. Uh, Time of Plenty is a summer plot. Calm over Westeros. Summer Harvest. You were moaning in the car home about how many people played Summer Harvest against your trading. That is a good point, actually. Everyone got Summer Harvest against trading. Everyone is playing Summer Plots. Because yeah. yes. they're all big gold, like, in, like, card advantage, easy plots. Close call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are just plots that go in any deck, let alone the actual proper summer ones. Late Summer yeah. Feast's a decent opener, and, yeah, they're all, uh... But all summary, so Stark's whole thing about more winter than summer is a little bit kind of hampered at the moment because the summer plots are kind of too good and too prevalent. But you know, too much money in them. That might change. You know, oh. that might change. Yeah. So shadows is uh, yeah. We'll, we'll see. It's not till the next cycle, so it's a couple of months away. We've still got two packs in a box to come out before then. But um, FFG have done their little uh, waving the goods in front of the in front of the card players, and everyone is salivating with the. Chance of playing with a new mechanic. So, so yeah. I have a Shadows action. Get used to playing that. Oh, it's just, uh, <laughs> yeah. Little Shadows action. Boing. Yay. <laughs> Fantastic. That Martell location that they spoiled is uh, is quite tasty. It's actually, I was actually reading that article kind of going, you know, normally I read FFG's articles and kind of go, oh, God, what are they talking about? No one would no one would do that. You know, they suggest, oh, you could use this card with this card, and this card means that card's better. Uh, I usually read them and kind of go, Oof, who writes these, man? No one plays like that. But I was reading the. <laughs> is, I think it's Evan Johnson, isn't it? Shh. Love you, Evan. Um, but the one I was reading today about the idea of using uh, whatever it's called, the, the Shadow City, I think it's called, which is the name of the pack, that uh, Martel location, and using that as a House of the Red Door location, because you, that would mean you get four gold for setup, and then you could. Bounce two cards into shadows in your uh, in your setup. I was like, oh yeah, you can. That's great. That's actually a relatively kind of good House of the Red Door location. And as someone who played quite a lot of House of the Red Door at the weekend, a good Martell location is uh, you know always a boon. And I quite like. Yeah, I mean, it's a it reduces the cost of shadows. It costs to marshal cards into shadows, and you can discard cards from shadows to draw. Draw mm. is a good House of Dreams location, and gold is a good thing to start with. So yeah. I think between the two, it's. It, when there are enough shadows to make Martel's shadows viable, yeah, that's going to be a really nasty, uh, nasty effect. Not well, not nasty, but it's going to be. It could be quite an effective uh, agenda. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, oh, we're great. So it's got it's got people talking. It's, everyone's quite excited for it. Um, even though, of course, they've spoiled the cards that are everyone's shitting themselves about. So, or maybe that's just me. I don't know. Plot rotation doesn't go down very well in this house. <laughs> or, rather, or rather it goes down too well in this house who knows whichever way you want to put it um, but yeah good to see it back okay so the previous day yesterday we had a uh, another spoiler article from ffg they have been prolific this week presumably in response to the french chat 
Yeah, I think. <laughs> we can spoil more interesting cards than you, and they're in English. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that would just sound like a really patronising uh, Stuart Lee. <laughs> <laughs> but, once again, thank you, Evan Johnson. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Love you, Evan. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, have you got Lewis's card up? Would you like to uh, talk about it, either of you? Uh, I've got it right in front of me, so I'll do I'll do the card thing. There's a lovely article on the FFG website that I'm sure everyone has seen, but it's a beautiful little article written by Lewis, which is funny and quite touching in places, and uh, really really nice to read. But the card itself, the card itself is a plot card called Breaking Ties, which on, on its own a four seven one. Uh, four gold, seven initiative, one claim. It's a house fray card, which doesn't really mean anything in a plot phase at the moment, but nevertheless. Uh, and it's a scheme. Mm. It's a cast immutable scheme. Uh, and it's ridiculously juicy action is, and not a win revealed, it's just an action, sacrifice a loyal character to choose a non-loyal character or location and return it to its owner's hand. Limit twice a round. Card designed by 2016 European Melee Champion, Louis Gustavo Bretas. God bless you. Powerful, meaty, non-forgotten plansable. That's a thing for some people. I put forgotten plans at the weekend. Very toolboxy, very powerful in offense and defense, I think, uh, as he kind of, as he talks about in the article, that it can be, you know, it can be played um, offensively, but it can also be played to kind of help yourself. I like it a lot. It is, of course, called Breaking Ties for a very, very good reason, as he talks about in the article, as he won that European Melee Championship on a three-way tiebreaker, which was a delightful evening. Against two Brits as well. Against two Brits, against uh, Costas and against Wedge. Uh, he hadn't quite used as many cards as the other two had, and uh, therefore won it. So God bless him. Love a little representation of him in the artwork, of course, sitting on top of the horse. Um, so we can only presume that sitting behind him is Wedge and that he's sitting on top of Costas the horse. Wedge looks pretty haggard if that is Wedge, because uh, but yeah. I guess, you know, that's what he looks like now after this uh, this weekend. Well, we've established he's he's passed on. So that, <laughs> that's actually quite generous. I guess. Yeah, he's being you know, puppeteered by uh, Costas. Yeah. But yeah. So, yeah, it's a great card. Uh, Reserve four. So you pay for it if you're going to reins into it or whatever. Uh, I like it a lot. There's no kind of cost differential. There's no do this to a character of this cost to bounce a character or location of this cost. It's simply you could sacrifice the cheapest loyal character you've got to bounce the fattest kind of non-loyal character location on the other side back to its owner's hand. You can bounce a wall with a Grandmaster Picel, for example. And unsurprisingly, very interesting in melee. Oh, yeah. You imagine it is, it is worth thinking that you know worth noticing that you can bounce your own characters if you want to. Well, that's the thing. That's the kind of toolboxy kind of ability of it. That if your your own big fancy location has just been frozen solid, you know, solid did or, or or something, then you can bounce it back to hand. It's obvious kind of synergies with Flea Bottom are frankly terrifying. Oh yeah, really, really terrifying if you're sacking. Who's got three cost or lower? You know, really kind of useful three cost of lower loyal uh, loyal characters well i can think of uh i can think of summer out of stark being well worth being you know sacrificed so you can mm-hmm. bounce summer back in to trigger all that shenanigans again Aria hotel of course and the green blood trader there's some decent 
you know your your butter bumps or your <laughs> your moon boys and uh, mm. yeah the combinations are uh, are limitless there there's lots of lots of useful things to do with this card which is kind of what you want your how you use it will be dictated by how the board is and i i, I like a lot twice around as well <laughs> and also it doesn't have to be in challenges fantastic yeah it's very tasty well done Luis. well done and a relatively quick turnaround for a champion card uh yeah but we're on Conve- less than 18 months less than 18 months from uh, crazy uh championship to uh, being spoiled so it'll be released by that point by the 18 month point pretty much well it's in the martel box so yeah so yeah. so yeah well done well done evan johnson and we're yeah. still waiting <laughs> we're still waiting on vince's trap card i know and how long ago was that it was before we met it was like 2014 jesus it's yeah t- that's 2018 Come 2014 more. it's probably older than that 2013 wow it was the year before we first went to starlight so yeah 2013 okay. yeah poor show ffg yeah sort it out okay speaking about the lovely frenchman upstairs <laughs> we played 2v2 last week and we all know how much we love 2v2. So More than we, we gave love. people a quick breakdown of the rules last week, and I won't repeat them here because we're already going to be a ridiculously long episode of all the stuff we've got to talk, to talk about. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I'll discuss what our decks did very briefly. So, Vince discovered a combo. On I think he mentioned that it was mentioned on the French forums as something that would be ridiculous to pull off, and then realised that you can just do it in 2v2 basically whenever you want uh, we kind of mentioned it in my house and kind of on this podcast a few episodes ago as well because my uh, when i told my wife about what you had planned she was like i thought of that first <laughs> i'm not saying she thought of the first but she certainly did think about it oh i can imagine yeah so the combo is playing night's watch with craster and w- the white shadows and the white shadows reads after a character is killed put them into play under your control um at the end of the phase they return to the um, the owner's dead pile. So normally you can use it with some kill effects to get a blank character on oh, no, a blank for the face. Um, get a character for the challenges phase. You might get a bit of use out of them, or if you've got target to kill or burn, like you know, it might be useful, but it's not great. It's not a particularly interesting card. And that changes when you have Craster and your teammates playing Valor. So Vince would play Craster and White Shadows. I would Valor. The entire board except for Craster would leave play. Vince would trigger the reaction on our opponent's characters, but not on my characters. Then he would trigger Craster, which put my dead pile, his dead pile, back into play, but not our opponent's, because their characters were already in play under Vince's control. And then the plot phase would end, our characters would stay in play, and theirs would return to the dead pile. Beautiful. And it was beautiful. (laughs) How many times did you pull it off? To a greater or lesser extent, through two... Once perfectly, once partially, and then we used elements of the tech um, in another game. Well, we had Craster turn one in all three games, so we had the option to do it at least. Um, so what we did, we, we played... Uh, we knew we wanted Night's Watch. We decided we wanted... Uh, because of that, Vince said, well, I'll play the wall. I may as well play the, t- uh, the table and chair as well. So he played Barrow Watch. Um, and then we realised, well, now that gives us access to Visited by Shadows, uh, so we may as well just play Burn as well. Yes. So I played Targaryen Fealty, and I could flip Blood of the Dragon, and Vince would just play um, Visited by Shadows to wipe entire boards, as long as all the characters were 4 strength or less. And broadly speaking, it was pretty successful. 
Uh, so we had like three uh, three kind of mini combos that we uh, that were plot combos, and then the last one would just be um, he would just be like do the other one, and I'd flip Blood of the Dragon when he said that. Uh, but we named them after our housemates because obviously they couldn't be there or sweat there that day. Um, so we had uh, we had the Michael, which was uh, our classic opener, where I would flip Counting Coppers, and he would flip Varus's Riddle. And if there was something good to copy, great. If there wasn't, he'll just have three of my cards. It was lovely. So these were your codes for flipping certain plots, yeah? Yes. Nice. So you almost copied, uh, you, you went with a similar tactic that Josh had a few years ago. Left shoulder, right shoulder, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, I understand this. This was what we decided that we needed. That was our main problem. We, like, we, sure, exactly. we looked at each other straight away after. Code word. And then we had, uh, so we had the Michael, the the riddle into uh, Counting Coppers. That was our standard nice. opener. Gave Vince a bit of initiative control. It's pretty nice. Um, then we had the Sasha, which was, no, the, sorry, the Simni, which was uh, the Valor and White Shadows combo. And then we had the Sasha, which was uh, two copies of Early Frost. Oh, yeah, harsh. So three, four, two, everybody draws less cards, which actually reads, nobody draws any cards, uh, <laughs> which was pretty funny. That's brutal. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, we played three games. Our first game uh, was going pretty well. We couldn't pull off the uh, the Valor combo because um, somebody flipped Varus's riddle, and so that causes two Valors. Yeah. And if you put the characters under your control after the first Valor, then they end up in the dead pile for the second Valor. And if you don't after the first Valor, then they end up in the they're in the dead pile, so you can't trigger them on the second Valor. In the end, it just it was just a double valor, you know. I was like, okay, well, the board's wiped except for Craster anyway. That's not the end of the world. Um, but it still wasn't exactly what we wanted. Yeah. And then, uh, what did we do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, when we when it came to, uh, well, you know, we played a couple of rounds. Sadly, when we sashed, when we wanted to have nobody draw any cards because of our double early early frost, I had no cards and they valid, so uh, so I couldn't play anything. And I was just using Astapor, and that was like my only thing I could do. Um, but I won dominance, so that was fine. And uh, when it came to the final time, the final game before time was uh, the final round before time was called, I flipped Blood of the Dragon, and Vince had all three copies of Visited by Shadows. Ooh. So he wiped the entire board except for a Victorian who couldn't make any challenges because of Astapor. And then sadly, with Victorian as the only character, he won dominance, and that put them to ten power to our nine power at time. We was like, ah, it was going so well, we had controlled them so well, and then just. Uh, Losing on time to a one-strength Victorian. Am I right in saying that most games didn't get to 30 power? We didn't go above about 18 power. Yeah. Uh, I know there were some full wins, and people kind of just generally just gave full wins anyway. Yeah. I think we were only playing like 75 minutes, which definitely isn't long enough. The second game. So we lost the first game on time. Uh, the second game, I mulliganed into what is the burniest hand I've ever had, but also a terrible <laughs> setup. Yeah. It was two Ragels, two Dracaris, a Crown of Gold, a Dragon is No Slave, and Astapor. <laughs> and I was just like, holy shit. So I set up two Ragels. <laughs> I was just like, this is ridiculous. But because it's a dragon and we didn't have anything particularly interesting, uh, Vince opened Fortify Position, which is an amazing plot in 2v2. It's <laughs> even better than it is in Melee. Jesus. It's truly phenomenal. And that stopped um, a Melisandre trigger. <laughs> off a Thoros, who would have obviously got a power that turn, 
to be able to save someone later. And it kept a, an Ariane in play from setup to the second plot phase. So obviously we flipped Valor turn two, killed a Mel and a Ariane, and we was like, this is this is going pretty good. Yeah, and it was it was just wonderful. Basically, uh, they valid into our into our double early frost again. But by that point, it wasn't really an issue because we had lots of hands and just all that burn was just so horrendous in that second game. It's just like, oh, I've just got burned for days. Like one one of the turns is like, I'll oh, just play Astapor and just control everything. Can't really do anything. I've got a dragon of gold and Astapor. I'm chucking copies of Dragon Is No Slave to put Kotho into play and recurring them back and it's, oh, everything died. Tony, it was lovely. Everything died and it was lovely. Yeah. yeah our final game was uh, quite an interesting one in that um, we when when it came to flip our uh, our Valor uh, Valor White Shadows combo, they flipped Varus's Riddle again and we we're just like oh shit. We kept ourselves quiet because they weren't really sure what we were doing with our plots. Yeah. And they made me first, so I made the riddle go first, and they decided to count in, uh, copy counting coppers rather than my valor. Because they was like, ah, oh, we can deal with like the one character that's going to be left on the board. It's like Craster and someone else. Well, that's fine. We're just like, oh, thank God. <laughs> so we managed to pull off the combo all the same, which was great. And in that game, I think we killed Davos about six times. <laughs> he was a real dick, because he had Black Beater on setup, so we just like, we can't, we can't let this get out of hand. <laughs> we spent so many characters on that map. And we all know how good Black Beta is. Exactly. Um, so that was our little uh, little tawny report. It's it's hard to... The turns are quite long, and the play-by-play would have been truly wonderful in, in full, but uh, it's it's tough to uh, condense it. Yeah. But hopefully that gives you a little taste. It it was a great um a great little format. Uh, Whammer and Keb won it. They were running, um, I think, Greyjoy Winter and Night's Watch, House Through the Red Door, mm-hmm. White Tree, and they were running two copies of Famine. Chalk, chalk, chalk. Uh, which only affects your opponents. So each opponent's character costs two more. Disgusting. Chalk, and, chalk, uh, chalk. Yeah. chalk, chalk, chalk. If you're going to play 2v2, Faris's Riddle is amazing because it cap- copies anyone's plots. Yeah. Uh, famine only affects your opponents. Fortify position is like the best card in the game. There's our top tips. Nice. Yeah. So, with that tournament report over, Peel, would you like to spoil a card? Ooh, which card would you like me to spoil, though? The first one. Okay, then. The character. Val. Val is a neutral card. Ooh. Is she neutral? Yes, she is. She's also a wild thing. She costs six, she's got an intrigue icon and a power icon, and four strength will be yours, basically. <laughs> Alcabelle is... <laughs> what do you want there? It's going to be good. You know, she's six for four. There's been better trades. Reaction. After Val is declared as an attacker, put a wildling character with printed cost four or lower into play from your hands, knelt participating as an attacker. It's pretty fucking beast. And also, an annoying way to spam fucking wildlings out. Only four cost or lower wildlings. Yeah, but this is like the... It's fine. The best use for this is fucking Rattleshot Traders, right? Oh, yeah. Bash a Rattleshot Traders into the Intrigue Challenge and then fucking win the Intrigue Challenge and ditch an attachment, which is uh, phenomenal. Mm. So that that in itself is great. Spamming in lots of other little wildlings. Yeah, you know, less of a thing, I guess. Bashing a wildling scout to give a plus two and then ditch it later for, for stealth and stuff. Yeah, okay. She's good, you know, she's a big beefy wildling. She's got an intrigue icon, grand. That artwork, however, is fantastic. I'd probably put her in um, 
sounds a bit bold, but for attachment hate, she'd go in quite nicely in a lot of effects. Yeah. Um, if you're running three of the, you know, the Raiders anyway, run two and her instead. One. Well, then you got to draw two of them at once. But then you're putting out ten, you know, you're putting out ten goals worth of cards for six gold if you can get them at the same time. If you get them at the same time. If you get them at the same time. But what if you could search your hand for a character? Ooh. Fancy that. Fancy that as a concept. Guys, while you've got the artwork in front of you, what is she wearing on her lapel? That would be... It looks like she's wearing a badge of... <laughs> with a, a man's face. With, like, a picture of, not Beric, but it could be Beric. I don't know. She looks like she's got some kind of, like... She looks like she's been to a gig and picked up a badge of the... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a mugshot of someone. Like, who's been brought in on a drunken disorderly, like the phone ring that's all I They've taken a picture of him, and she's got a mass addict. Yeah. Put it on her chest. It's like she's a member of a fan club of some kind. Yeah, very very weird. But the the I I I love the artwork. Absolutely love the artwork. I think it's beautiful. And yeah, it's all right. We kind of I mean this has kind of been spoiled already, but no one knew how strong she was. She's four. So there you go. Four strong. Decent enough trade. If you were to comment on her icons, Tony, what would you? How would you describe them? I would describe them as being useful on attack. <laughs> also, also, surprisingly to no one. <laughs> useful on defense as well <laughs> that's good to know but i would say i would say yeah. more useful on attack considering her reaction i think that's a valid analysis Thank i you. would also add that if you don't have any wildlings in hand then she's just as effective on both attack and defense that's that's absolutely correct she also makes the icons on other wildlings absolutely redundant it doesn't really matter what icons they've got even whether they've got no you know a Rauchers Raiders, Raiders only has one icon. Doesn't matter. It it's just the strength. Equal, equally useful on attack with no intrigue icon. Unless we're getting some crazy new wildlings of printed cost four or lower. Then at the moment with what we've got, the Raiders is probably the best call because the other wildlings have other, you know, your wildlings that are cheaper to marshal when it's winter where you don't really want to you know that's not as useful to kind of bring in and give an extra one strength the ones that get stealth pretty useless because you're not going to be declaring stealth in that particular challenge wildling scouts yes uh yeah with what we've got it's all right but maybe there's better ones coming yeah. but she's a big well, you don't want it crow killers are kind of useless as well because they come in knelt exactly so 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 at the yeah. moment at the moment with what we've got uh not great and while, while I'd love to think we've got a whole raft of fantastic wildlings coming, it appears that the neutral characters that we've got coming are more based around the seven trait than they are wildlings. So there's a whole lot of, so those in the next couple of packs and presumably a little bit, well, maybe not so much in the box, but over the next couple of packs, that's where the neutral focus is likely to be rather than wildlings. But yeah, I'm guessing wildlings will come back at some point in the future. But one of the things that kind of sneakily got spoiled today, if you had your, thinking cap on was on the shadows article the usual kind of fan of cards that you can see the ones up front you can't really see the ones behind one of the ones behind is clearly a varamir six skins a very very lovely bit of art of varamir six skins riding a massive bear with his eyes all white because he's warging the shit out of that bit. <laughs> and I have no idea whether, you know, all the text has pretty much been covered. It looks quite complicated. It looks like it might give wildlings, other wildlings strength. Who knows? Can't really tell. But uh, I'm delighted to see Vladimir Sitskin's back. 
Bet he's not four cost though, is he? Nah, of course he won't be. Riding that fucking bear? God, he'll be a seven at this rate. <laughs> Eight if you count the bear. You've got to add something. To <laughs> You've got to add no, I mean, the mountain, the mountain costs like ten, so the bear's got to have. Yeah. I'd rather have a bear than a mountain. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's hilarious. Let's be honest, the bear is much cooler and probably a lot more fun to have around. No. I mean, if he could do what he did in first edition and kind of like pretend he was other creatures, that would be outstanding, but mm. uh, I can't see that happening. There is no creature trait now. It was pointed out to me today. I never noticed that before. The dragons and direwolves aren't creatures. What but, are they? Companions? No, they're just no. direwolves, dragons. I was going to say, if they're companions, I don't know what dark paths they're going down, but I'm not like but, of course, there is a trait that's about to be released. We're about to have the cat trait. Yay. The what? <laughs> <laughs> so, is on his way, and he is a cat and a knight at the same time. That is fantastic. Yeah. Cat. I'm going to use oh. that cat trait. Yeah. To the full of its advantage. Of course. I mean, we've only seen it in French, so sha. But <laughs> cat nonetheless. Fucking great. Good on little Theon. Yeah. Nice card. What? <laughs> Gives an intrigue icon and doesn't kneel to attack Oof. on a three cost or lower character. So Theon. Yeah. Mm. We don't speak about Theon, do we, Peel? We don't. We don't talk about Theon. For reasons. <laughs> Should we do the other one later? Yeah. Yeah, yeah for we'll, uh, bit. we'll take we'll take a commercial break here and we'll come back and do a do one after the break, I guess. We'll see you after the break. Need a little music. Th- this this break is sponsored by the Weekender. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Peel, would you like to uh, talk about the weekender? You you can start off and talk about your Saturday and your Friday and whichever other parts you like. Let me load up the website, Dave. That Vladimir six that Vladimir six skins, by the way, is five cost. We've just had a look. It only has a military icon. Uh, it has a ton of tech. The artwork is just fucking great. It really, it really is. <laughs> He's just riding the shit out of a fucking massive polar bear. Uh, with a stick behind him beating him like a fucking jockey beats a horse. You know, it's just great. <laughs> the less said about the posh twat, Sir Geris Drinkwater, on the other hand, the better. Anyway, Manchester. Manchester 2018. That's the one. That is the one. I'll do a quick run through. Uh, I won't go through too many of them in too much details. Uh, I remember the ones that I lost and how I lost. And, and I remember the loss against you, Tony, as well. Um, Don't know what you're talking about, people. Right. Okay, so on uh, the Friday of last weekend just gone, you know, the one before the weekender, we met up in Brigstock and drove up to Brigstock to go to Man from Brigstock Town and to go up to the north of England, uh, part of England called Manchester. Manchester. Um, Manchester. You may have heard of it. On uh, It's featured on Coronation Street, um, Jeremy Kyle and Crime Watch. Uh, truly <laughs> <is a> fantastic... <laughs> Truly is a fantastic place, and I'm not joking. It is actually lovely, um, but it is also where Jeremy Carr's filmed. Um, so you do get a lot of Mancunians on Jeremy Carr, just purely because of geography. <laughs> they also go after the Scottish. So overall, we went there. Really lovely town. Went to go stay at lovely Major's house um, initially, and as we got there, we were all greeted at the door. We had some drinks. We had some chills. It was a, a Friday night before a big tournament. Instead of getting early nights. Um, I think we ended up going to bed at about 4 a.m. on an average, um, which we every time I've, I've been to one of these things, I still think that's the reason why, you know, it just doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't. I mean, Tony did it. Mm, he didn't. Well, I'll let him. Well, he did a bit of it. He did a bit, but, you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's not enough. Is it? <laughs> well, he did more than me and Dave. Um, so basically, obviously, we went out drinking, you know, uh, over at Major's house. Lost the night there. Ended up staying at Wedge's, which again, thank you very much, Wedge. Um, but me and Dave shared the lounge and slept. Woke up anxious for a morning of, uh, of Thrones, where I believe I am. Um, did I play you on the Friday night, Tony? I did, didn't I? No, that was the Saturday night. Was that Saturday night? Yeah, that was pre pre uh, God stocked. Fair play. Yeah. Right. That'll be explained why you beat me the next day. That was not pleasant. So my first match, obviously, on the Friday morning. <laughs> I came out also optimistic because obviously I played Josh in the first game, but he was playing Marta Alliance, so didn't really trigger, and uh, I managed to to win that one because I killed a. Uh, Killed some of his people. What were you playing, Bill? I was playing Greyjoy, Lords of the Crossing. I wanted yeah. to win by turn three. Yeah, if you went past turn three, it was normally a bad sign. So yeah, that was a, a, an interesting first match. I managed to kill with the heads on spikes, I believe. That's winning the game. Nice. Who did you kill with heads on spikes? The Knight of Flowers? Oh, no. Sweet. No, it was not the Knight of Flowers. No, it wasn't. It was um, it was a four-coster Tyrell card. The Knight of Flowers. Well, he, is he a four-coster? There's two. The new one is, yeah. Oh, okay. Then yes, yes, I killed him. <laughs> yeah. For those unaware, Josh was playing a combo deck of his own devising. So whilst it runs all the nonsense that you'd expect from a combo deck, including all the Tyrell, Tyrell draw and the Knight of Flowers and bumping his strength and to the Rose bannering in to get <clears> the gold, uh, Josh decided to make it much more complicated for himself by playing Alliance so he could use Orphan of the Greenblood to recur, um, oh Christ, what are they called? Uh, River Run Minstrels. And put 15 power on Hosta in the marshalling phase. Excellent. And I can confirm that it does work. And it's really fucking boring to watch. <laughs> <laughs> well done, John. <laughs> so I you played did. in person the day anyway. I managed to get past it by taking out the key component, which was quite nice. <laughs> Following that, I played a start deck. Jarwell was running that day. I realised that I'm, I'm not keen on start. They do horrible, horrible things. Such horrible are things. You, are you keen on playing against any house, Peel? Yeah, I'm quite clean against playing against, um, ah, uh, what are they? Tyrell just on their own. <laughs> Night's Watch sometimes, because you might be able to rush them. Lannister, you know, I didn't play any of that this weekend. That went really well. 100%, you know, I'm beating against that. Yeah. yeah. Won all my games against Lannister. Yeah. Didn't see, I, I can't believe I didn't see, you know, six, a year ago it was Lannister everywhere. Literally just flooded. All the stores, and now it's just then they're almost non-existent. No, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised you don't like playing Stark. It's only assholes who play Stark. So I'm totally with you on that. Weren't you? Uh, what were you playing? I was playing Stark. You were. Yeah, I was yeah. playing Stark. But I'm an asshole, people. Oh, fair enough then. Fully self-aware in that. Uh, no, I lost against him. Yeah, uh, no, I lost the second game against I was beat me. It started the reigns of Castamere, which is you know fair play, decent solid deck. I then followed up with a game against uh, Sexy Jack. As he's, he's commonly known, I hear. The anti-banter, Matt Cannon. Yeah. yeah, which was actually a fantastically fun game. Um, where we proceeded to play a game of uh, Rush versus Stark, uh, the house with the red door. Now, I can't for the life of me remember what card I chose. I definitely chose one of his cards. It wasn't a fantastic one. I think it was Winterfell, and everyone had... You, you don't choose. You do. He chooses, or he should choose. House with the red door. Yeah. yeah. Unless he was playing Exodia, which I'm sure he wasn't. I swear he was playing as earlier. No. Oh. Just playing Winterfell Castle. Oh, it was that. Like, right. Okay. Uh, well, in that case, then either way, I, I can't remember what the thing was then. I must have played Stark the second day against his earlier deck and chosen Winterfell Castle. I definitely picked out that yeah. card and thought, 
Yeah. <laughs> That's spoilers for the Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. I mean, because Theon was just kind of happy about it, really, because it meant all the Winterfells were one. That was nice. Um, right, but no, playing House of the Red Door, I won that game. Can't remember how. It was a fun game. I enjoyed the game so much I wasn't paying attention to the guard. We went and got a pint afterwards. To, you know, fun game. Uh, this was the game after lunch where we'd, we'd gone out and had a burger, which was very nice, in a pub, which, again, was very nice. Um, but because we had 45 minutes and... That was it. And obviously that was when we finished our game, which was early. We just didn't have enough time to sit and eat, so apologies about that. Next time we should limit it and just go and get a sandwich or something. I mean, anything like that. Or maybe do a pizza order. Well, the thing is, the thing is, Peel, you play a very sandwich-friendly deck. I do. Right? <laughs> you play a deck that either wins in 10 minutes and you can all go and get a sandwich, or it doesn't win at all, and then you can go, fuck it, let's go and get a sandwich. <laughs> I mean, I, when I was when I was playing my first game on Saturday, I think I was about to flip uh, the second plot, and you walked past me on the way out to have a fag, and I was like, "Fuck, well, he he's done." Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how your deck works, and it's uh, it's a thing of beauty in that respect. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I think that was the third game on the Sunday specifically, but anyway. Um, yeah, following that, I played you, Tony. You beat me. It wasn't pleasant. I'd rather not relive really, it. You were playing a Stark Reigns deck. I was. I, I wasn't. I just. I, Stark were annoying. That's what it was. They yeah. stopped you doing things. They just stopped you, like, oh, you're trying to do that really cool thing. Uh, no, you can't have it. You want to trigger that? No, you can't. It's just fuck off. Uh, I fully admit I was annoying as fuck against you. But yeah, absolutely no doubt yeah. about it. I can imagine if I was sitting in your position. That uh, I, I wouldn't have wouldn't have had much fun. So sorry. That's all right, mate. Don't worry. I won my last game really, to be honest, and that was again oh, against another Stark. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Played Alex, um, and she was playing a starting deck. Um, and again, lovely game. Had a nice time. Um, luckily, I just came away with the win um, mm. by flooding the table with all the big beasties and wiping the board when I had enough saves. That kind of lovely kind of start game that uh, that happens on occasion. Because sometimes Stark don't have, they don't like a valor. That was a, uh, that was what I realised against Stark, and should have realised against Stark earlier on than the uh, the third game. So that was that was your first tournament in quite a long time, and you ended up going three two at it, which is pretty fucking respectable, mate. It was alright. I did fine. <laughs> I do enjoy that deck. I really do. It's it's yeah. quick and punchy. It's 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 like flipping a coin, going well, I win this game. It really is because if you get the setup, if you get Theon and you've got Balon in hand and you've got a few chuds or whatever, then you just can just get through unopposed challenges because you can't block Theon. Yeah. Um, and that's why anything that milks him or burns him or anything like that really can fuck him over. Um, there was one card I did find that, you know, which I'm not going to guess before, that would have made him absolutely milk-proof. Uh, it was put on my bail on. Well, not milk-proof, but burn-proof. Uh, it was sadly put on my bail on, so it had, did not have the desired effect. I was wanted. it the Strangler by any chance? It was the Strangler, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a good card. Yeah. <laughs> I did not like that card. On Theon, fantastic. On Balon. <laughs> on Balon, what a dick. Yeah, yeah, that really was. It, it it wasn't so much the taking his strength down to one, I can deal with that, that was fine. Yeah. You know, taking his strength down to one. It was the no boosting his strength at all. Like, yeah. which made every single... I had Iron Fleet Scouts, which made them fucking useless. I had... I mean, I could use them, but on a, on a second challenge, woo, wasn't worth it. It was just ridiculous. Like, he's just there. He couldn't block anyone out. 
So you came you came ninth that day? I did. I came ninth. Pretty fucking solid. What twenty two person store champ? It was a big old uh, big old champ. They fit us into this lovely little basement. It was a nice store actually. Uh, it was one thing though, the basement was a bit cold. Um, mm-hmm. where the tables were, I, I kind of wanted the toilets to have some more freshness in there at times. That was the only thing I would say, because those toilets, if you came in at the wrong times, ooh. How did you do in the Saturday? I did less well. I went 2-3. Oh. Most disappointing. I played a, like a mini curve-esque, um, Barra Kraken build. Because I wanted to play the Withering Cold. And I decided I didn't want to play Banner Dragon for the stand. I decided to play. Uh, I wanted to. I thought, oh, I'll use Asher instead. She sounds fun. And then I could use Maya Seaworth, and she's really good with the Withering Cold. Um, and what's the scariest thing that's left after a Valada Harris? Like of two five-cost characters, Mel and Asher are probably up there. So with those few things in mind, I built that, and I was really happy with it. Um, I mean, I played two games before the day, and I went one-one. So. <laughs> Like it wasn't particularly uh, well tested, but it played really nicely, um, and I, I think that the the results don't really show what the deck is like. I don't, I don't think they're very like representative. Um, my two, the, my two wins were quite they were they were wins definitely. There wasn't much in them really. Um, there was a narrow loss to Keb who outbarred me. It was really difficult to deal with uh, Stannis with a Lightbringer and uh, recurring Second Sons. Because he was running um, Banner Dragon. And so I was like, well, there wasn't much I could do about that with my smaller characters. And most of them melt the entire time. Uh, that game was interesting because I think Robert Baratheon was put to the bottom of Keb's deck with Valada Harris twice. Because Melisandre is just so much more important in that matchup. Yeah. Um, and then the other two losses were to Josh, who comboed me. Uh, I think I got to 10 power and I literally couldn't got, have got any more. Like... I, you know, I, he never had any on his house for me to steal. I couldn't make any more challenges. I have no power grab in the deck. It's it was a matter of digging for my um, hand destruction stuff to try and take his combo pieces away, and like trying to draw Tris Botley as fast as possible. Um, <laughs> but alas, it was not to be. Um, he was like the third card from the bottom. Um, and then the other loss was to Costas, who was playing Banterbridge, and I think I played that really well, but he had Mace by turn two. And so it was just a matter of time, and he went from like, you know, it was like 11-9 to me or something, and he went from 9 to 15 without me being able to do anything. So I was like, oh, okay. So two very easy wins, well, not very easy, but like two solid wins, yeah. um, one narrow loss, and uh, two losses to essentially passive power game so mm-hmm. I was pretty happy with that overall yeah nice um, and it's a fun deck and I'll definitely be giving it another go yeah. um, I, it runs no six costers or anything like that but I think I would add a Solis considering the three main characters in the deck are ladies well the new one definitely yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's running the old one at the moment just as a real character yeah. um, and just change them around run the one six coster if she dies to duel it's not an issue because they'll have to Duel one of their own characters as well. <coughs> yeah, you're and, not, and you uh, don't really care about what happens to that one after it's triggered its effect, really, do you? know, you're not. Yeah, and if she's valid Harrist, great, not a problem at all. Exactly, yeah. Play another one. Yeah, Because yeah, no. once she's in play, she's basically, I'll use her that turn and then she's claim soak. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that was my day. Um, Tony, how was your day? Uh, I see it's it's a bit undecided at the moment if you go on Jousting Pavilion. Yeah, I saw that as well. well no one's won yet. So, no um, one's won yet, yeah. Me <laughs> that's and, uh, always quite nice. Me and Savvy are still playing the mirror matchup by yeah. post. 
we're just sending each other kind of moves. You know, we're playing it by mail. <laughs> we're hoping to have a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, we'll send the trophy to the winner, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was a, 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 it was a funny one. It was playing Stark Reigns, um, which I'd played the weekend before at the Glasgow Store Championship. Um, I went 3-2 with it there, only losing to, to Martel decks, um, which kind of only barely losing one and then get thumped in the other one. Um, but I weirdly, you know, for all the shit I give you for playing Stark, uh, Dave repeatedly. Um, that sort of range is quite nice. I quite enjoy playing it. It's just a, uh, there's no, nothing really fancy about it. It's just a kind of intrigue heavy Stark deck with, I guess the main thing that makes it work is another card that I shat on quite significantly when we spoiled it like a couple of months ago, which is Last Hearth. Um, because it's just it's just perfect. It's perfect to push your range trigger through. Cheeky plus three, messing with challenge maths, all that kind of stuff. Grand. For those uh, for those of us who don't speak Latin, what is the what does Last Hearth actually do? Oh yeah, of course we never did spot in English, do we? Uh, Last Hearth uh, will give a participating Stark character in a challenge, be that attacking or defending, uh, plus three if there are less than three plots in your use pile, plus two otherwise. So it's a cheeky plus two boost anyway if your game's going long, uh, and if it's not, it's a plus three in the first three rounds. So it's great. There's enough intrigue icons in that deck to be able to push through a range, no problem at all. And if n- and whether it's rains or whether it's just a you know a decent military, you know you run uh, well. I used to run a couple of winter's comings in there, and then there's only one in there now. Um, I kind of edited the deck a little bit after 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 Glasgow to put some attachment re- re- uh, removal in there. So there's a couple of Rapture Raiders in there now. And uh, they actually did the job this weekend. Um, but but yeah, I was quite surprised it kind of did as well as it did. Um, but I was even more surprised to find out that there was three of us playing Stark Reigns in that buddy 22-person store champ. So <laughs> that ended up being a little bit miserable. Savvy was playing Stark Reigns and Arwell was playing Stark Reigns as well. And I had a rough idea of what obviously what was in their decks and speaking to Savvy afterwards he'd, he'd talked about the fact that, the, that he'd seen a uh, um, Reigns deck online that I think had done quite well he made some edit, edits to it um, but I you know I did get to play against him obviously the mirror match was brutal and unpleasant we both got a rough idea of what's in each other's deck but yeah I went 4-1 which is crazy in that the first game was kind of pretty straightforward was kind of playing against Tom it was a Tyra line deck, and it just it just kind of yeah just did stuff. Uh, Roose Bolton pretty much took care of all these little knights. Yeah, Cat took care of the rest really. Second game, God, the second game was my first match, first uh, mirror match of the day against Savvy, which nearly went to time. Uh, unfortunately, I think I tried to play the initiative game with him because I knew he was running three frozen solids. He knew I was running three frozen solids. I knew he was running three milk of the poppies. He knew I was running three milk of the poppies. So I was trying to play the... likes those cards annoyingly. Yeah. So I was trying mm. to play the initiative game just to make sure that he had his stuff out so I could kind of, you know, whack an attachment on it before putting my stuff out. And that kind of worked for the first couple of rounds, but he kind of in the start in the start range matchup you're thinking no one's ever going to be able to trigger raids, right? You both run Winterfell, you both run Cat. But the initiative game ends up being important then because as soon as Cat's in a challenge, you can't trigger your Winterfell. So, it, yeah, it ends up being... I think he got a range trigger off in that game. Um, not that it won in the game. He, he outplayed me simply in that game. Um, so, you know, that was that was fair enough. It was a fucking brutal mirror match, and I thought, oh, I don't want to do that again. Hmm. Then I played Vince and kind of 
but surprisingly kind of beat Vince pretty clearly. I don't think he was drawing what he needed to. He also kept putting Varys out and I kept milking it and he didn't seem particularly happy about that. So that kind of set him back. Um, so kind of sorted Vince out. Then I played another guy called Tom who was playing the Greyjoy Crossing deck. That didn't go particularly well for that guy either. But mainly because I kind of know what that deck does and I drew two nightmares in my setup hand. So I kept them, set up the other five and just kept the two nightmares. And over this, and nightmares a little Fionn in the round one, and then nightmares them again in round two, and that kind of pissed you off a little bit, didn't it, Bill? Kind of stopped <laughs> me doing anything, really, Mike. To be honest, um, it, it kind of makes my ideas go from ah, I'm going to attack Fionn, fuck you, uh, to ah, oh, no, <laughs> how am I going to get three challenges off? Whatever will I? Do? <laughs> yeah. And if I can't get three challenges off, as you know, yeah, yeah. So it meant I didn't have to worry about him, and then I drew a couple of frozen solids and sorted out your bolts and. Uh, Got rid of that, so that yeah, was nice. Thanks. No worries, mate. No worries, mate. No, any any time I can be a service, mate. <laughs> you got your. Tell me when you need a little practice game to boost your morale. Yeah, because that's what led you on to win and do well. Oh yeah, me. Got, yeah. got a little boost of it, like a taste of victory. Like, yeah, certainly did. I mean, that was post sandwich that game, right? That was after lunch, so. Yeah, yeah it was. It was fueled yeah. by a sandwich. So going into round five, weirdly I was three one, and then I had to go. Had, then I had to play Wama, and I thought, oh, okay, now all right, here we go. And that game didn't go that badly either. He basically got all his boats out by like turn one or turn two, but his little sideboard because he was playing Grigio Conclave, so his little kind of seven card sideboard that he has as part of his agenda, um, he told me afterwards was basically full of all his limited cards. I think he was struggling with kind of economy and getting anyone beefier out than. Uh, a couple of his kind of small maesters. And I made a couple of kind of brutal mistakes in that game. And, you know, I pop, I think I put a Poppy on his wind, on his Windermere just because he was a maester who had stealth and he was likely to win a challenge and then trigger his agenda. But he also had one of those Martel maesters that when they lose a challenge, they remove an attachment. And I completely forgot about it. So he let me win an entry challenge and then immediately took the fucking Poppy off. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it happens. And then uh, when I thought I was going to win, he had to see some chair out round one. So I had to kind of play around that. And he ceased and chaired my Rob Stark kind of when I wasn't looking. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was right after I had walked over and I think you were a little distracted. <laughs> so I apologise. <laughs> I had a Rob Stark sitting there with like three, maybe four power on him. And uh, I was going first and kind of did some stuff and then went, oh, I've got no military icon standing. And he kind of went, yeah. And he admitted he was so far behind that it didn't really bother him so much. He still killed Rob Stark and I won. But got that. And by that point, I was already thinking, I've just had a they would have beaten Waman or beaten Vince. I'm quite good with that. I'll quite happily just go home happy. I had to play Costas in the top four, and that was a kind of hilarious game. He was playing Banterbridge, as Dave said, but and I've played that deck before, and it absolutely destroyed me. But I hadn't played it uh, with the Stark deck. So he was doing his kind of bouncing in House Florent Knights, and at which point Arya Stark doesn't really stay on the board, no matter how many dupes she's got, because the House Florent Knight just kind of makes short work of that stuff. But I was kind of winning on power. I had more power in my house, and he had a mace with loads of power on him. And we, he'd forgotten about some of the renown on my side. And we got to this, we got to this fantastic point where I got to trigger Roose Bolton. He had Varus down on the other side, and I had to decide whether to kill Varus or give him the decision as to whether he wanted to Varus a mace, his own mace Tyrell with like eight power on it off the table. <laughs> So instead of killing Varus, I killed like Robert Royce, who had like two or three power on him, and then kind of went, and then kind of went over to you, mate. Do you want to, you know? And and his Varusing took a load of power off my board as well, but I had about eight power on my house at that point. So he kind of ummed and ad and went, yeah, screw it. So he Varus the board, 
and he went down to like two power in his house, and I think I was, you know, I was at seven or eight. Um, unfortunately, at that point, I had very few cards left in my hand, and he turned his Caswell's keep on me, which was really nasty because it just meant that, you know, he was controlling my draw. I couldn't find the characters. He was putting them all to the bottom of the deck, and he was coming back and coming back and coming back and getting to the point where, yeah, he was definitely going to win it. But then he uh, he he kind of said that um, he was going to drop because he he had other things to do that night. So I think he would have won it. I mean, I pretty much had conceded. I think at that point, even though I had more power, because there was just no way that I was going to kind of come back. But it was the closest I'd got to kind of beating that deck. So where do I make the final? I mean, Savvy had to play again, and the less said about that game, the better. It was a fucking horrible mirror match where I was on the back foot for most of it, basically. By about half an hour into the game, I think I just had enough because it was just my deck against my deck, kind of. Um, and the differences that I had my the differences in my deck weren't enough to kind of outplay the kind of mirror match, really. I got Rain's trigger off kind of quite early, but it didn't really help. And slowly but surely, he just got enough renown and. Uh, we both kind of were refusing to kind of reset properly and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, he took it. So I kind of outplayed in the final, which was grand. And that deck has been destroyed and I will never play it again. But, you know, good fun for the day. Well, thank God that deck's been destroyed. Yeah. You know, at least some good has come out this weekend. Some good has come out of it, yeah. 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 I will no longer have to deal with that. It's nice to make a final and Maybe get a map and all that. And then we went out and had a pizza and went drinking and actually came home at a reasonably respectable time. It's worth mentioning Wedge wasn't dead yet. No. <laughs> he was still... <laughs> still we'll have alibis for that for reference. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. All of us can account for our whereabouts um, all night. I had a cheeky friendly game with you on the Saturday night because I was prepping the kind of Martel deck that I was going to play on Sunday. Yeah. You got your own back then, no problem whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that was because you were playing Martel. Um, uh, yeah, and it was shit. Yeah. So I, stayed I may up. or may not have kind of just gone, ha. So I, so I stayed up for like another hour putting good cards in that. <laughs> yeah. Dave was passed out before. I was watching Greenwing and you were poking your head around the door. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Popped in. What are you doing building deck? All right. Yeah, yeah. As is the way, I think it, it's fair. Um, you've got to build decks. So I made, yeah, I made that deck a little bit better and, well, I like to think I make it a little bit better to prep for... It was the Martel Exodia deck, which we'll now go on about, I imagine. And then we got up stupidly early and threw ourselves in various cars and drove across the country to Stockton on the Mr. Bamford, take it away. Oh, well, on the way in on Sunday, Peel and I spent a long time talking with Matt Edelman about vampire theory. <laughs> uh, in, incidental to other Thrones-related things. But that's that that was the big non-Thrones takeaway from that conversation, I feel. Although we covered a lot in our two-hour journey from Manchester to Stockton. We did, and it's I think we have to... We can't stress this um, importance enough. It depends on the type of vampire to the type of rules. It also depends on the age of the vampire. So if you're a new vampire, you're pretty much fine. You just like a junkie, almost. You, wanna, you want blood. You can still cross rivers. Everything's happy. But the more you age, you know, the more powers you get. But also, the more negatives you get as well. And I think that's what we established in, in great detail. Yeah. It was it was a truly wonderful conversation. Um, but once we arrived, we sat about with our lovely tournament. And this, of course, was the Exodia tournament. Eight of us played an Exodia deck. If you don't know what that is, go back and listen to our episode a couple of months ago where Mage came on to talk to us about House of the Red Door and the Exodia deck that he invented in first edition. Mm -hmm. But the brief thing is, you play 61 cards, 
you play exactly six eligible in-house unique locations. You do. So six, three cost or lower in-house uniques. One of each. At the beginning of the game, your opponent chooses one of those at random, and that is your House of Dreams location for the day. Well, for the round. Eight of us did it, each with a different house. Uh, Tony played Martel. I did. I played Baratheon. Uh, Mates played Greyjoy. Josh played Tyrell. Ben Cotton played Stark. Vince played Lannister. Rowan played Targ. And Whammer played Night's Watch. And I believe that's all the houses. It is neat. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. I had to close my eyes there, like, you know, walk through the archives. And it was awesome, it was, basically. It was an awesome day, actually. Regardless of results. But also, <laughs> also with results, bearing in mind what kind of happened, uh, it was an awesome day. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in... Peel, do you want to talk to talk to us because you didn't play Exodia? So do you want to talk us through your tournament quickly? I didn't play Exodia. Um, we'll cover no. Exodia afterwards. There's yeah. a reason I didn't play Exodia. Dave. I don't like people choosing things like. Um, but no, I played the same deck I played the night before. I was going to play a horrible start deck like Tony did the night or the day previously, but I decided, for the good of my sanity, it would be best to just stick with what I know, nice and easy-ish kind of rush them quickly for shits and giggles stealth them out have a lovely time if you can so i mean the first game i played was a loss it was a brutal <laughs> loss um and I, I i realized there was another segment of the world i wasn't quite quite ready to take on yet and that was baratheon decks baratheon decks do kneelings kneelings are very tricky when you're trying to get through three challenges of three different types in order to trigger off your plot to get extra power and do fun stuff kneelings just no. <laughs> he, <laughs> he um it was it was Graham from um from Stockton. He had uh, his deck looked over by Josh and Sweeney as well, and they both gave it a nod. So you know when you come up against something like that that's been approved by them as well, it's just going to be a horrible, horrible time for everyone involved. But mm-hmm. annoyingly efficient. That's about uh, that. But anyway, that was the first game. The second game, Tony. I'm not going to tell anyone about that because it went really well and. Uh, <laughs> Everyone was happy at the end of it. So the third game, um, <laughs> third game was where I got my first win, spurred on by the issues I had in the game game before it, which was a win against Ben, who was actually playing, I believe, one of your decks, wasn't he, Dave? He was playing an Exodia deck. He was That's correct. Yeah, he was playing the Stark House Exodia deck. Yeah. Ho ho ho! Um, that was where I made all his characters stronger, but then my characters were weaker, so it didn't really matter too much, uh, and I was still managed to get through challenges and everything else involved. And it was a typical, my rush deck came together, his start deck didn't, because I'm assuming, you know, Exodia. At that, that point, we were both on nil to, uh, you know, we were both on nil-nil beforehand, and both of us really wanted a win. So we went for it, and I was lucky to come on top. So that was nice. And that was the start of my winning period for the day, where I then went on to play Wedge. Right. Now, I liked Wedge's deck, or I liked Wedge's deck, should I say. It would be the last one he made. I was very threatening. Not like that, no. Um, it was a Greyjoy deck with Banner to the line. And the idea of this deck, um, as Dave will know, was to get rid of all of your deck. <laughs> that was all I saw at that point in time. <laughs> I didn't really see too much else. I, I'm sure he had other plans as well. But what I definitely did see was the ability to get rid of a lot of my deck into the discard pile without me really being able to do much about it. And then every so often removing a card from play so that all three copies became null and void, or all remaining two copies became kind of null and void. That was what I remember, and it was not pleasant to come up against, but luckily I was able to push through and basically just hold the board. I thought he was running Valor, and the turn there I won it was where I flipped into a push 
a push plot with a high gold because I assumed he was going to valor me. I thought, well, at least I'll have a lot of gold to put down people and get refreshed. But in reality, he doesn't run Bella, so I was just able to bulk up my people with all the big, big people I have and subsequently take the game there and then. Uh, but it will be interesting to see where that goes in the future because I know that could be absolutely bloody horrible. It was fun as hell to play against, though. Like, that was the best deck I played against all weekend just because of the sheer amount of cards I got to see. I went through my whole deck pretty much. <laughs> Saw them all. And the final game of the day was a win against Stark Fealty uh, against a gentleman called Rick. He was playing Stark, but didn't see any duplicates for any of his cards pretty much the entirety of the game. And when Ballard uh, did not have any saves, so unfortunately fell for that old chestnut. I won on a um, well third challenge unopposed, I think, on that turn because there was nothing left to block. Another three two. Nice. Yeah, three two the other way around though, I think. Two three. Well, yeah. still three yeah. two. Doesn't matter when you get the wins, you still get three two. <laughs> it does, yes. I did take on three people. I did manage to win three times. So Indeed. But I didn't finish as high, but I did win a prize. I got a lovely map going thirteen. You finished above me. I don't know how. I no, really I don't. don't. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I've got an idea, but I, I genuinely, I don't know how I won that way around. A bit odd. I mean, uh, well, you played Caitlin. She made the cut. It's pretty good for your... Uh, yeah. But that was the game we don't talk about. Because Tony was there. I'll he talk about it. it. I'll definitely I know mention you will. it. I would definitely mention it. Because uh, I can't not, really. It, it, it kind of interrupted I'm the game. That I was playing, but uh, in such a joyous way that I have to mention. It was the exact combination of horrible things. Yeah, Caitlin was raging, but she was—I I, imagine she was delighted. She was raging, but at the same time, probably jolly about the fact that I'd done it as well. But at the same yeah. time, that wasn't the part that screwed me over the most. The part that screwed <laughs> me over the most came before that part, which you didn't even know about until I told you. It was horrible. <laughs> that was even worse. That was actually the worst play I did all weekend. The second one was just the one that was seen. Uh, two three twos in respect of store champs. That seems pretty good to me, mate. Yeah, well, I'm, not, I'm gonna not at all. I'm gonna need to uh, to try again. I want to get a regional trophy. Well, I mean, release a store champ. Can, can now do all the Exodia people from uh, bottom up. So uh, it was a 32 player tournament, and uh, in 29th place was our lowest ranked Exodia player. <laughs> Uh, the disappointing James Wormsley. He's terrible. Who was playing Night's Watch, House with the Red Door, and he won one game, his first game, and then didn't win any more games, uh, which was which was sad for him. Uh, and Wammer's deck played White Tree, East Watch by the Sea, Fist of the First Men, Castle Black, Queen's Crown, Northern Rookery, which is always fun. Uh, some of the guys had less optimal House of Dreams locations than others. Yeah. Yes. I was forced to play one that I really didn't want. Uh, but Northern Rookery is pretty bad. Yeah. And Mate and, jo- uh, and Josh had a bestow location. So that also wasn't great. Twice, I think. He had Horn Hill twice. <laughs> yeah. He only won one of the games. <laughs> Good luck. <on>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, second last in the Exodia standings was Vince with Lannister House of the Red Door. He went 2-3. Ooh. Which is a bit better. Uh, I know he said that uh, one of the games was just you know, yeah, he had no chance, yeah. and there were some other ones which he was a bit, a bit closer. But still, two threes, two three, Vince. So uh, no excuses. One of his losses, one of his losses was to Jack as well. He was playing Greyjoy House of the Red Door. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, Vince was playing the Hand Solar, which he says was really, really good. Yeah, it is. Um, Hand of the, Tower of the Hand, Lannisport, Castle Rock, 
uh, small council chamber and Cersei's wheelhouse. Yeah. And uh, Mage said he saw Vince play the wheelhouse and forgot to trigger it all game despite losing initiative every single time. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Vince. Vince is terrible at this game, honestly. Mm. <laughs> Not melee. Mm. Shh, we don't talk about melee. <laughs> okay. Uh, next up was Ben Cotton, who, of course, Peel played. Uh, he also went 2-3 with Stark. And the Stark locations were Winterfell Castle, River Run. Is River Run a bestow location? No. That's okay. the Tumblestone. Okay. okay. Uh, Winterfell Archery Range, Last Hearth, Bear Island, and Gates of Winterfell. All pretty good House of Red Door locations, I would have thought. They're not terrible, are they? No, they all seem oh. like a good spread. Uh, who's next? I think next will be... Uh, uh, yeah, Mage. Mage also went 2-3, which seems to be pretty uh, pretty consistent all around here. Oh, yeah. uh, and he played Great Kraken, Pike, Iron Victory, Corpse Lake, Black Wind, and the Seastone Chair, which are all oh. really good locations. They are. Oh. Sadly, mm. sadly, Mage broke his own rules and accidentally included two sea bitches. Ooh. His own rules. It wasn't a true Exodia deck. It had seven locations with two copies of one. Um, so he 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 came moral last. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, above him was you, Tony. Me. So do you want to talk about your experience playing Exodia? Yeah, as I said, I had a I had a sample game on the Saturday night against uh, against you people, which didn't go very well. So yeah. I decided to put some decent cards in the deck instead of some of the rubbish cards on it. It was a Martel Exodia deck featuring the following six locations. It had Hellholt, Sunspear. The Boneway, the Green Blood, the Water Gardens, and Gaston Grey. One cheeky mm. copy of Gaston Grey. So from kind of fair to middling to not great, basically. And while everyone that played Exodia had, you know, obviously the way Exodia works is that your opponent picks uh, a location at random. And so you're never entirely sure what you're going to get. Of the five games that I played in Swiss... Uh, my opponents chose five completely different locations for each game, which meant every game was completely different, not just because of the opponents I was playing, but because of the way I had to play the deck. Now, in general, the deck was kind of set up to be a more of a green blood deck than anything, so I had to kind of change that a little bit so that if I didn't draw green blood, there was still Martelli things that it could do. My first game was House of Dreams Suns... Uh, House of House of Dreams. House of Dreams. Fuck it. House of Dreams Sunspear playing against Stark, which I would have thought would have been great, but well, I think I forgot to trigger Sunspeed at least twice and Alex kind of began to walk all over me even though I had the bone way out and kept losing all my challenges and made most of my power off the bone way uh, one of the things I did get to do in that game was to play uh, Forgotten by History <laughs> in uh, in Dominance nice. yeah, and shuffle an uh, f- uh, Ed Stark with three power um, back into the deck, great Great, great to play that card. Then I played Lucinda. I was playing Targ Watch. And of course, I drew Hellholt. And of course, her deck was based around weenies that never had the chance of really winning any uh, any challenge by five. So they didn't get much action, the uh, Hellholt. However, the way that game ended was, uh, was kind of hilarious in that I think Lucinda was on 13 power. And I was on 14, miraculously, simple because I had the Viper out and then the six-cost Viper, which I'd only put in really because, well, he's got Renown. He's got normal Renown, and I kind of wanted normal Renown rather than, you know, attacky Renown. 
and the deck was already quite expensive, so I went with uh, I went with that. So he had lots of power on him, but Lucinda was on 13 power, and I was on 14 power. And Lucinda, I, I think both four boards were knelt out, but Lucinda had a gold left and had flea bottom and had a cheeky copy of the Second Sons left in uh, our discard pile. So, of course, I was going to say without thinking about it, it's possible she thought about it, but didn't kind of then see what was going to happen next. Brought out a copy of the Second Sons and did what would appear to be the game-winning power challenge on 13 power, right? But, of course, Hell Hulk triggers first. So she's on 13. Nice. Unopposed and claim would win it. But of course, Hellholt is a reaction to losing. So I got my I got my fifteenth before she could get her unopposed and claim, which is a kind of like brutal mechanic way to win the game. You know, it's like a mechanical way to win the game. I win on yeah, the rules win me the game. The kind of order of triggers wins me this game. And so she was Best kind of, kind of win. well, I, yeah, yeah. I kind of guess also kind of the worst. But I was already one down, so I was quite pleased with the win. You know, <laughs> uh, and so Hellhole Hellhole only made one power the whole game, and it was the power that won the, that won that particular match. Um, <laughs> what was what was quite funny was that she then put her kind of hand out um, so I could see what was in her hand, and she had uh, she had a copy of Dracarys in her hand, and it occurred to me that if she had Dracarys her own second sons, she'd have won the game. <laughs> By winning by two instead of six, but you know, wow. yeah, as you do. So yeah, so that happened, and that was all very, uh, that was all very good. The next game, probably my favourite game of the day, was against Sternley, and it was Greenblood, which is pretty good against Burn, um, especially considering Sternley was playing Targ Fealty and he was running summer plots himself because he had Aggo and Blood Riders and stuff. So I at, uh, at one point wanted to get a whole bunch of dice because I could not track which of my characters were on what strength. Because I had Dora Martell out. I had, at one point, I had the Song of Summer plot out as well, which meant I, I think he had a Summer plot out as well. So all of my characters were plus three. And then Dora Martell made all the Lords and Ladies plus, I think, four, because I had two on Recastle and two in my use pile. So it was, it was ridiculous. It did, like, the characters were ludicrously strong. I pulled all three Dracarises out of his hand for either Intrigue or Bastard Daughters. And the game went to ten plots, uh, and it was a great, it was a great game. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't close it in the end, um, just because I couldn't. I think I ran out of characters because they were all, well, they were all dead, Dave. Um, <laughs> but, but there was some, there, there was some really nice plays. I got to Forgotten by History, someone again. I can't remember who it was. I think it was one of his Blood Riders. I got to play Tears of Lease again. Remember Tears of Lease? Remember when that was a good card? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, got to, I got to Tears of Lease, Cal Drogo. But he popped up duped again, kind of later on in the game, and kind of took it away from me. I got a Gaston out, but yeah, he had a Danny and he had a Drogo, and I had to choose which one to bounce back to and blah blah blah. So and so he, so he won it. Kind of, I gave I gave him the game just before just for time, uh, but it was a really really good game, ten plot game. So, and then my final two games of the day were Lauren, uh, where I got probably the worst um, House of Red Door location. Uh, which was the Water Gardens, which is a bit shit for the first couple of rounds, as you can imagine. Unless you get Ricasso out, which I did get Ricasso out, stuck a couple of gold on him, and that kind of made that a little bit better. And the Viper won me that game, pretty much. Although the Viper's whole thing about things not counting their strength because they've got less than two icons didn't really happen because Lauren had Sirio out from turn one, so there were there was icons all over the place. So, but um, yeah, I got. I think I I won the game on a six power Doran's game, if I remember right. So I think I think I was losing 
she was playing crossing, so it ran pretty fast, and she got to about, I let her get to about 12, because I was pretty sure I could pull off the Dorans game. And she was on, I think she was winning like 12-10, and then I got six off the Dorans game, and that did it. My last game was against Keb, and that was an interesting one, because Keb was playing Batter Dragon, which is what he was playing, I think, on the Saturday as well. Mm. And so I put the six cards face down in front of me and kind of went, okay, you know, you know, place your bets, place your bets, which one are you going to grab? And Keb said afterwards, there's one location that he didn't want to grab, and... Mm. It was Gas and Grey. Now, Gas and Grey is not an ideal House of the Red Door location because obviously you only get to trigger it once uh, and it gets discarded, right? But against a Barra deck, which set up a duped Stannis with like a Lightbringer on it and was all about standing and attacking and the like, kept uh, the Gas and Grey on the door just stopped, kept attacking, just stopped, kept really wanting to kind of push through stuff. Now, eventually, you just have to, because you just have to use up the Gaston. Mm. And Kev went in with a duped Bobby Baratheon, I think, at one point, thinking that he could still use the Intimidate, even when he'd been Gastoned. But unfortunately, of course, because he buds his back to hand, he's not on the board. So he's not on the board by the time Intimidate would trigger. So unfortunately, Duke Bob went back to hand, and that was that. But again, the game was won, not through the House of Dreams location, but because... Kev decided to do a chump intrigue challenge against me, and I had a Doran's game in hand, and I had effectively six power on my uh, six plots on my use power, so I kind of just triggered the Doran's game on defense and kind of yeah. won. So yeah, the Doran's game kind of did the job on that. I went three two, but every game was different. It was interesting because, as I said, five separate House of the Red Door locations. If I'd made the cut, well, there was no chance of me making the cut. My strength of schedule was brutal. I ended up coming fifteenth. If I'd made the cut, I'd decided I was going to just play with the one House of the Red Door location that I hadn't used that day. You know, just screw the Exoda thing, just kind of go, right, okay, this is the one I haven't used. And that would have been the bone way, I think. I'm not sure how well that would have gone in top eight, but I would definitely have played it just so I could say that I'd played six decks with yeah. six different House of the Red Door locations. Because that would have been kind of the day completely. Yeah, it would have been just, it would have been comprehensive and mm. uh, yeah, it would have been a, a shot at everything. I quite enjoyed it. There's now a couple of couple of better House of Red Door locations from Martel. The Shandy Stone just came out, which is yeah. uh, very, very tasty. It's like old school vengeful. But I enjoyed the Green Blood version of it. It's kind of silly, the amount of, uh, the amount of strength boosts that you can get on your guys, especially if you've got a bit of a wide board. So I might mess about with that in future. But it was yeah, it was good fun. I didn't play any, against any other Exodia decks, which is kind of a shame. Uh, I just kind of played against some kind of normal decks. And while I, f- I would have loved to have squeezed through that game with Sternly, it was kind of my favourite game of the day. I went three two and didn't get any prizes at all because I was fifteenth. Quite entertaining. The rest of the Red Door decks, the rest of the Exodia decks, were yeah. coming in at twelfth was Josh, who played Tyrell with the uh, House of the Red Door. And the Tyrell Exodia locations were Banterbridge, High Garden, Old Town, Renly's Pavilion, Caswell's Keep, and the also-bestowable Horn Hill. Josh went 3-2 as well. He had two games where he picked, where he got uh, Horn Hill. One of them he won, by all accounts. He certainly looks like he lost against Dave in the first round. So there was a bit of an exodio off there. Coming in at 11th was uh, Rowan, who was playing Targaryen, House of the Red Door. 
And his locations were both plazas, as you'd expect, Plaza Punishment, Plaza Pride, both Vase locations, Vase Dothrak and Vase Toloro, uh, the Dothraki Sea and the unpronounceable Skahazadan, the economy location gives you gold when you've got a summer plot out. Uh, he also went 3-2, and I believe that he managed, like me, to pull a separate Red Door location for every single one of his games. And he did reasonably well, as far as, well, as, far as I'm concerned, did better than me. And I'll leave it to Dave to talk about his performance, as by process of elimination, Baratheon, House of the Red Door, Baratheon Exodia, did the best out of the day. My Sunday was pretty fun. Um, I when Rowan said he wanted to play, uh, wanted everyone to play different Exodia decks. I had, I think I was ready to leave London like the next day, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have access to my cards again, um, and I knew I wouldn't have time to build a deck. So I said, yeah, 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 sign me up for one of the houses, build me a deck, I'll, I'll play it. Uh, so he gave me a, a choice of uh, Baratheon and Targaryen and Stark, and I said, all right, I'll play the Barrow one, play Barrow all weekend. And he sent me a list, put it together, handed it to me, and I played a practice game against Vince uh, during your semi-final against Costas. Uh, and so the locations I had were Chamber of the Painted Table, uh, the Red Keep, Tobermott's Armoury, the Laughing Lord, Black Beather, and the Stone Drum. And obviously the Stone Drum requires someone to play Kingdom Plots, <laughs> and so the initial build of the deck had Fusion <laughs> and six Kingdom Plots. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, Rowan, <laughs> I know the gold curve is a bit fucked in this deck. I'm running four costs, four seven costers three times each, but I can't play just six gold plots and then a dominance plot which has six gold. Like, this is the most boring plot deck ever, and it isn't good. And in fact, it's kind of what he did with the Martell deck as well, because he kind of built the base of that, is that he essentially built a Greenblood deck because there were six summer plots in it. And that's all very well. But you're not going to get the green blood sometimes, and so I had to chuck out a couple of those pots and put some better shit in. Yeah. So whilst like Josh had to mit- Josh had to play his like that as well because he had Bitterbridge. Yeah. The stone drum just isn't worth building around to that extent. <laughs> so I wasn't going to chuck out some kingdoms in favour of like purely summer economy choices. Like I wasn't going to chuck trading for late summer feast. Yeah. But. I, I wasn't going to run six, so I cut one of one of my noble causes. <laughs> there was two, excellent. There was two. Actually, no. Late, late summer feast is a uh, is a kingdom because it was in there. I'm not going to cut trading for uh, a different kingdom, a non kingdom economy plot or whatever. Yeah. So I, I cut late summer feast trading. No, sorry, late summer feast noble cause, and something else ridiculous which I forget now, um, and added wildfire because it really needed a reset. Yeah close call because I was running so many expensive characters. In retrospect, it wasn't super important. Um, and uh, Counting Coppers, which is a kingdom. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, you know, I can, I can mitigate that. Uh, Counting Coppers and Wildfire were definitely brilliant shouts. They were incredibly useful all day. Uh, close call was relatively good, but it was mostly just good for the draw, so it wasn't too important. Mm. So my first game was against Josh, and I randomised... And got Black Beater. And I was like, okay, this is, you know, that's not too bad. It's not Stone Drum. Stone Drum's the worst. Bam-ba-lam. You really want to see Stone Drum on setup, mm. but you don't want it as your House of Dreams location. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so that's fine. Uh, and I beat Josh because uh, he wasn't running. If he had been running Marched or a reset, 
he may well have won, mm. but he wasn't, so I did. So that was fine. He had uh, Caswell's Keep, I think, <laughs> as his House of Dreams location. Yeah. Um, I'm not 100% sure, though. Uh, and then I played uh, Sternly, and I got Black Beater again. Bam, bam. But this time, as opposed to being mildly useful, Black Beater was suddenly really good, because I'm playing against a burn deck. And being able to chuck a fiery followers into a challenge and then go, to, nah, it's five strength, mate. Burn that. <laughs> And he's just like, well, I guess this entry challenge is unopposed. Yeah, it is. It was suddenly really, really good. Uh, and that was, a, that was a fantastic game. Lots of back and forth. Uh, really fun playing around the resets and stuff. Um, playing around the burn. I've got like just a couple of characters that are just big enough to risk putting in challenges. And then I've got Black Beater to protect my Melisandre and that kind of thing. Mm. Even when Astapor was out. So it was like a matter of um, using my kneel events not to kneel a character, just to boost Melisandre's strength yeah. so I could trigger Black Beef before I put her, like as soon as she went into a challenge yeah. so it was really interesting um, and it came down to him not having any burn to stop my final challenge which I pushed through with Davos to get the renown from Black Beef I was like yes this is amazing oh, excellent yeah. so that was fun so uh, two wins two Black Beefers it's going pretty good it's just like I'm pretty unstoppable with this agenda so far now I played against Daryl, who was playing Martel Wolf, um, and I fucked up my first turn an absolute treat because my first marshalling uh, I played Stannis, and then I played the Iron Throne, and then the, I was playing King Stannis. Oh, I forgot to say I also changed my um, the Melisandre I was running before the tournament, uh, and that was also I, I went down to the Little Mel, the Neil one, and that was definitely a good decision. Um, she's better on every single level. I don't think I wanted the other one once. She, the Neil was so important. The lower cost was so important. And what location did you draw for the game with Daryl? It was Chamber of the Painted Table. Oh, okay. Ooh. Yeah, so uh, that was that was interesting. Um, yeah, basically, because I had I played Big Stannis, and then I immediately played the Iron Throne because I had the table. And then I looked at the board and realised he had... He hadn't marshaled. I had given him Gold Pentoshi. He had Retaliation. He was playing Martell. He was almost definitely running Marched. <laughs> He was probably going to be running Ward, and I was just like, I'm not going to have enough claim soak to get through this turn. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I had to, uh, I had to milk Nymeria and hope he didn't have any big military icons, and bodyguard Stannis, and play fiery followers. And in the end, he had Arya Hotar, so there was basically nothing I could have done um, after I played the Iron Throne. And so we started turn two with me having no characters uh, after he's marched. Okay, but luckily he didn't see much in the way of uh, locate like economy, so he was a bit starved for the rest of the game, uh, and I was able to poke around playing very conservatively, mostly just um, defending power challenges, only sending Chuds in to avoid Gaston Grey, yeah. um, which obviously he'll keep for the the Melisandre that was the, the Duke Melisandre was there, but she's never going into a challenge with Gaston Grey. I'll quite happily just take the uh, the easy power with Solis instead, kind of thing, yeah. um, and just racking it up with a. Uh, painted table so after he couldn't capitalize on the first turn it was plain sailing from there yep. luckily then i played against steve christian who was playing tyrell house of the red door and uh he played me twice and he played rowan once and possibly someone else who was playing exodia wow. and he randomized his own house of dreams location when he was playing against us oh, it was love, only fair. Uh, lovely man um he, I think he had four targets in his deck, but he wasn't going to be so nice as to put Horn Hill out to be picked. Fair enough. So we picked one of three for him. That's still very nice. Yeah, it was High Tower, no, sorry, High Garden, Old Town, and Caswell's Keep. Yeah. And every time he randomised for Exodia, he got Old Town. 
which is what he was going to play anyway. So, okay, fair enough. (laughs) Me, on the other hand, I got Black Beta. And I was just like, well, by this point, it's become kind of a thing. And so I'm just like, everybody, and everyone's like, yeah, Black Beta, Bama Lam. That game was pretty fun. And uh, with strength pumps on both sides, with Renly's Pavilion and like possibly Garland and the uh, the locations that boost knights when they're alone and then Black Beetha and it was just a challenge math nightmare. Yeah. But I managed to pull that one out luckily before his mace racked up too much power. Yeah. I then played against Costas oh, who cool. was playing Night's Watch Banner of the Wolf and it was a uh, Ramsey Snow recursion deck which was horrible. Disgusting uh, deck. Absolutely disgusting. Yeah. It was quite wonderful to watch it go off <laughs> but it was very unpleasant to play against. Oh. And that was for King of Swiss. Yeah. Uh, he won that. My house dreams location was drum roll please, Black Beater. But I think I only made about one challenge in that game, <laughs> so it wasn't really relevant. <laughs> made one or two challenges early on, and then after that, it was just a back foot stalling kind of a can I can he run out of steam? Maybe I don't know. Probably not because he's got messenger ravens as well. I was like, I don't really know what I can get to stop him here. Yeah. It's grim. Then once Mel was put to the sword, that was it basically. Fuck. Put to the um, as well. What else? Yeah. <laughs> so I made the cut at number two. Nice. And I played against uh, Matt Edelman. Yeah. Uh, and he was playing Barrow Dragon, which obviously uh, he did pretty well with the day before. Did. And once again, I got Black Beater. Bam-a-lam. 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 <laughs> I was like, for fuck's sake. And he'd been saying all day how funny it was that I kept getting it. Yeah. Uh, and at this point, of course, for those counting, it is... I've only had it... This is my sixth game, and I have played it in five games. <laughs> like, for fuck's sake. Ridiculous. One in six chance every time. And he's just like, but I'm not going to forget it. I'm not going to forget it. And then, of course, first challenge of the game, I go in for an intrigue challenge. He over-defends it. <laughs> <laughs> Trigger Black Beater to win it. To give my five followers plus four strength. It probably was the first challenge. It was first challenge phase, certainly. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm going to have whatever that is. You're trying to defend out your hand. And he was like, for fuck's sake, I've forgotten Black Beetha already. <laughs> that, was, that was quite an interesting game. You know, I had to go... Um, he made me first player, and I managed to milk and kneel his Mel before he got to uh, nice. trigger her, which was quite satisfying. In the end, the stand from his dragon banner in combination and uh, a Lightbringer, which he managed to see, but I, I had to chuck mine. In addition to... Uh, Picking, picking a milk out of my hand, I think, with uh, Seen and Flames. Yeah. He kind of had the upper hand in the second half of the game, and I was keeping in it with the, ch- the table and chair and defending most of the challenges, but he was creeping ahead in power. And the last turn, he won initiative. Uh, I was on 14 power, and he managed to push through the, the final power challenge after I kneeled his bob with a... Uh, uh, whatever that new kneel event is bend the knee yes bend the knee which is mm-hmm. amazing yeah it's all that no um, it's not so I know his bob in marshalling and then as the first action in the challenge phase he had the last scene in flames and I was like no now my bob's knelt yeah. because of course bob versus bob one bob is much better if you have black beaver oh yeah bam bam <laughs> He's like, my mom is considerably bigger than yours. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it was a mad game. It was really good. But I don't know if you've said, 
already that uh, at that point the Scots decided they need to go home. The Scots did, unfortunately. It was uh, about six o'clock at that point and we had a long drive home. So all the Scots dropped, the Scots that were left in the cut, which was Matt and, uh, of course, Evan, who had made the cut. Yeah, so that allowed a little bit of wiggle room, didn't it? Yeah, so uh, much like a, a, a Scott dropped to let you in yeah. on Saturday, a Scott dropped to let me in on Sunday. Yeah. Um, but because he dropped, I went on to play Ross in the semi-final. And I picked the Chamber of the Painted Table. And I was, oh, that's nice. And then I drew my setup hand and I had two copies of the Iron Throne. I was like, oh, well, I'll keep that hand. That seems pretty good. Uh, he did not see his Naga's Rib. Uh, I was going to say, because you're, you're, you're done for. It doesn't matter how fucking many Iron Thrones you draw against a Naga's Rib's deck, really, is it? Does it? But if he doesn't draw it... No, but for me, that that was one of those quite straightforward, where it's just like, I'm going to play Robert Baratheon with the Bodyguard turn one, and turn two I'm going to play Melisandre, and then I'm going to kneel everything forever. Yeah. And it was kind of straightforward. Yeah. Uh, he was playing a Greyjoy Winter deck with the uh, Dragon God sub-theme, which looked pretty interesting, and there's some crazy card choices in there, as you'd expect. Yeah. Uh, but sadly, um, it didn't really do what it needed to do. It just got some power for me to steal. <laughs> As a note there, uh, on uh, of course, at the end of Swiss, we realised that Rowan had to go home, so I had to re-sleeve my deck using Josh's cards, because obviously I'd borrowed an entire deck from Rowan. And so... As Josh was announcing the standings, I had to we were running around grabbing cards, and then when I got knocked out by Matt, I unsleeved the deck, and then, <laughs> and then we were told I was playing anyway, <laughs> so I had to grab it. But luckily, they allowed me to play unsleeved, nice. um, and I was playing with uh, my core set first edition tokens, yeah. and the first Matt I ever won in the ultimate old schoolness. So it did feel like I was playing like kitchen table thrones against waffle. <laughs> With no sleeves, classic power tokens. It was pretty nice. And playing barrow cards, of course, yeah. which was uh, my first house. It was. Um, so I went on to play Steve Christian in the final, a rematch from earlier. Um, in this game, he again picked Old Town for his House of Dreams location at random. Uh, and I got the red keep. That's good. For the first time. So at current tally, it was five Black Beathers. Uh, and I went 3 2 with Black Beather. It was two Chamber of the Painted Tables, and I went 2-0 with the Painted Table, and uh, this was the Red Keep. Yeah. And this game, he started pretty strongly, and I had to reset fairly early with my Wildfire. Uh, I kept a Milk in hand for ages, waiting for Mace, and eventually I put it on um, Robar Royce after he had about four power on him, because he had been there since turn one or turn two. And then I had to use a second one, like the Night of Flowers or something, because he was getting dangerously close. For the last three turns or so... His board was so big, and I had the throne and the table and, like, Tobo Mott's armory and loads of fiery followers and stuff, that we would get to the... He would marshal some stuff, I would kneel something with Melisandre, um, and maybe play something else. And then... And I was keeping Bob back in hand at this point to uh, to try and play after my reset, if I got that far. Yeah. The first thing that would uh, happen in the challenge phase would be him asking, what's your standing strength for dominance? Even if he was first player. And there was one instance where he was a couple of strength ahead and he just passed challenges so that he could win dominance. And then there was another instance where he was a couple of strength behind, so he was like, well, I may as well make some challenges. In that dominance was just the most important challenge of the game. Yeah. It's like not even just, I'll throw one challenge and see where it goes. It's just, nope, I will completely pass if that means I'm winning dominance. Yeah. 
Um, it was really strange because I had Stannis as well, of course. Keep stuff now. And it was all going pretty well. And he, we were about ten-ish each. But it was very much like when it, when I got to about plot six, I was like, right, I can if I can storm out to plot eight, I'm going to kill his like fifteen. He had about fifteen characters on the board. Yeah. Um, of varying qualities, but I was like, if I can kill them and leave my board with Mel, Stannis, Barristan, and then play Bob, which I could on that turn, and I'll be going first on a wildfire turn, Ooh. I can probably close then. Three renown, Bob's intimidate, power claim, easy. Yeah. And I was looking pretty good until on plot seven he flipped Tawny for the king, and he had like 15 knights out. I was like, oh. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, and it did it. <laughs> It was the it was like the ultimate in and here we go renown. Yeah. Every single character on his board except for Marjorie Tyrell had renown. Fucking hell. It was mad. Good job, Steve. Good job. Yeah, very well played to him. It was a good game. Nice one. Um and it was it was pretty funny to watch the end. Uh, I'm sure Pierre wasn't very pleased with the outcome though, having <laughs> sat there all that time. Sure he was waiting to go home. Yeah. But yeah, great little event, great little weekend. So thanks to uh, Josh and to Ben for TOing the tournaments. Absolutely. Very well, jo- very well done. Thanks to Fanboy3 and to BD Games for letting us have the tournaments there. Yeah. Also lovely stuff. And also well done to Costas for winning the golf trophy this weekend. Yep, that's right. Mm-hmm. The Golf Shirt Memorial Award for Weekend Lints. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I actually got mine out of the box the other day. I don't know if I mentioned it to you. No. Um, I thought it was broken because the tro- the the because uh, I won it last March. Yeah. I thought it was broken because the golf club was just not attached, but it's actually screwing. <laughs> so I've just had like a a trophy in a box for six months. <laughs> uh, so I now have it on my shelf with with my other stuff. Oh, so that's nice. It's a random golfing man. Very. Um, and of course I won the Exodia prize, which was a framed copy of uh, Carl Drago's Tent from First Edition. Well, of course it is. Yeah, which, which seemed like obviously you know if you're playing Exodia you probably would be having that in there but uh, it seems strange because the first Exodia deck was Lannister so really it should be Queen Cersei's Chambers like the Iron Throne or something yeah Queen Cersei's Chambers yeah definitely because yeah. that was the joke location really in Mage's original deck in that I'm running five really good locations and, that's and then I'm also running this because you know I'm always running it and it's still there oh yeah so that was the weekend nice well done would you like to treat us to another spoiler now we've finished that commercial break? Another spoiler, right. So we have another spoiler from the Martell box, which is a another neutral card. So we've seen Val, and now we have a neutral attachment. A neutral one-cost attachment called Brothers Robes. Non-unique, so play multiples of them. This is a, a, a card with the seven trait on it. has a lovely picture of a monk. It's an attachment that can all be attached to a character with the seven trait. And it has a reaction. The reaction says, after attached character is knelt, choose a location or attachment. Until the end of the phase, treat that card as if its printed text box were blank. Except for traits, obviously. So this is a little bastard of a card. <laughs> Uh, the, it's slightly mitigated by the fact it can only be attached to a 7 character, but we know there's some bigger, slightly beefier, more interesting 7 characters coming. But this, I believe, is the first card we have in 2nd edition that blacks an attachment. I think you're right. It is flexible as hell. 
you can use this in either your deck against an attachment on you or yeah. something on them. Any anything. It's just like it's just a lovely bit of attachment. It's right. kind of it's kind of ridiculous in that you can use it. I mean, all of Martel's kind of lose to win locations are screwed, right? You worried about a Gaster on the other side? Oh, okay. Well, no worries. Just as soon as a character that's got this on it kneels, then your Gaston's blank for the phase. Worried about Sunspear? Yeah, that'd be blank for the phase as well. Any of the lose-to-win stuff is gone. You can blank the wall, you know what I mean, Um, until the end of the phase. You can even blank a Poppy that's on that particular character. So that if that particular character has any uh, has any renown or it has any particular ability you want to trigger that phase, ah, suddenly it's not blank anymore. End of the phase, yeah. it'll, it'll be blank again. But uh, you want to neutralize up someone that someone's put a poppy on your character, then fine. I mean, the restriction is there that it's only a seven character, true, and the seven characters aren't incredible. But blanking an attachment on the other side, blanking a location on the other side, it is so again powerful, especially bearing in mind yeah. it's just a reaction to the character kneeling. Be that in attack or defense, or or it's, it's not standing, kneeling, standing. You know, yeah. um, you know, been thinking of janky things to do with it, and uh, stand and kneel and constantly just because it kneel can everything be, out. Yeah, well, because it can be, it can only attach to seven character, and you can't, you know, attach it to, let's say, one of your cheeky reducers, um, which would have been lovely, because then you could be blanking shit and marshalling all over the place. You can at least attach it to, say, a begging brother. And then use even handed justice on that begging brother to kneel something on the other side. And then if they haven't marshaled let yet, oh, blank that arbor, let's say. So they've got oh. let's go, let's go. You know, oh, it's, it's it's really flexible. It's really annoying. It's non-unique. It costs one. Obviously, only really for uh, you know, only for the seven characters, which at the moment are uh, you know, begging brothers have played Not a lot. Fantastic. In Stark, it's going to be crazy. Mm. Because it it can sit on Cat Stark, be it small cat or big cat, yep. and, and do its horrible duty. I think it's I think it's really really strong. I know all the seven stuff that I've seen that's out just now and that's spoiled is all horrible kind of uh, control stuff. You can't do this, or you can't do that, or if you're going to do that, then this is going to happen instead. You know, all the way from the Begging Brothers to stop character abilities to the the army in the current pack to, you know, you want to play an event or you'll have to give us a power through to the High Sparrow, which hasn't come out yet, which means you can only count seven gold this turn. Oh, it's horrible kind of, you can't do anything stuff. And this thing will, uh, yeah, I think Stark, a Stark seven deck is uh, potentially a quite a strong thing as well as the fact that let's say, let's say you're running a seven, seven deck with a big fat cat. Well, if someone wants to milk your fat cat, Oh, you can blank the milk for the challenges phase at the very least. Uh, I like it a lot. It's going to be really annoying. And blank, yeah, blanking attachment, blanking any location, blanking a red door location, obviously for the whole f- for the phase. Yeah. Uh, depending on what it is, is uh, going to be strong. Blank, you know, blank old time. Blank a four cost location. <laughs> it does what it does what a frozen solid can't do. Uh, whatever you want. It'll blank a limited location. It'll blank a four cost location. You know, mm. it'll, blank, it'll blank the wall. It'll do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's going to be really annoying. What do you think, Mr. B? I basically agree with everything you've said. Oh, that's a good thing. It's really good. Isn't it? Um, Very good. It will be interesting to see if it sees much play outside of dedicated seven decks. Um, I think that 
Stark only need to find one or two that are good to slot it into its no fun build because they're already going to be running cat they can already run beg and Bud brothers pretty nice exactly i could see it in martel builds because yeah bet Bragging brothers is a good good with Ariane. Mm-hmm. some of the other denial effects can help with their attrition and control mm-hmm. until we see you know if there's any more seven in this box or whatever seven is left in this cycle yeah hard to make a full judgment but you know it's was one of those things it's only going to get more playable the more that comes out yeah yeah it, it looks great it's it's nice line stock as well because of course septim ordain is a seven character as well and uh, most start decks run at least one of them i'd say i was running a couple in my range deck at the weekend because you know she makes uh she gives folk renown and she makes people you know immune to plot things so sit you know mm-hmm, of course, yeah. sitting on that it might she even. Seven? She is a seven character. Septim Ortain, it's the only trick she's got. Yeah. Hostile yeah, Acceptance, yeah. which which nobody plays. They're obviously the seven, but, you know, yep. a Stark Seven deck would kind of probably need some of them. So, yeah, it's good. I saw, if I remember right, was Ross Samson playing Silent Sisters at the weekend? You played against them, I imagine. I didn't see them. I think I was watching one of his games and he had one or two copies of that because obviously that is plus one for every character in your dead pile. And when you've got a negative stick, that makes them pretty tough. I I know Wedge was playing them in his Nagas Rib deck on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, pretty cheeky. Plus one for massive dead pile. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. For sure. So, I like it. Yeah. Good. Good spoiler. Okay. Well, with that in mind... I think we're just about done. 